and welcome to Act 2, a podcast by Choosing Him Ministries with hosts Tisha James and myself, Andrew Pace. Join us as we talk with others to learn more about moments when their own lives encountered in Act 2. Good morning, listeners. We are happy to have Joseph Warren with us today. Good morning, Joseph. How are you? I am blessed in ways unknown. <laughs> I am. Welcome. We're glad to have you. And, and I love that that's what's always been your response every time I've ever spoken with you is, hey, Joseph, how are you? I'm blessed. I am blessed. I, and I actually have. A, I actually mean it, though. I know you do. You really do. I had a student that used to say that all the time. And yes. you couldn't say, you know, I'm good. He's like, no, you're blessed. And then he gave me a coffee mug that says I'm blessed on it. And my husband puts ice cream in it because he's like, if I'm really blessed, it's ice cream's better than coffee. So, <laughs> That's great. so there you go. Uh, but for, you are. Yes. For some of our, uh, our listeners, you should be a little familiar with Joseph because we actually have broadcast one of your episodes where you interviewed Tisha. And that was mm-hmm. a few months ago. So people should know who you are. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we... But we're we, going to get to know we you We posted it a couple months we ago, we but it was it. last year when we recorded it. Mm-hmm. But, um, we've we've known each other for a little while, Tisha. <laughs> we've been through the thick and the thin. There right? you go. There you go. Well, we are super excited to have you on here because I get to reverse the chairs here. And Let's go. Hot seat. It. I'm ready. All right. My so, buns are burning. Let's, let's go it. for it. So a lot of... Um, if people go to your site and they're like, who is Joseph Warren? They're going to look, see the broken... Catholic as your number one thing. Okay, before we get to the public side of Joseph Warren, I want people to get to know the private side of Joseph Warren. Tell us about your life, your spiritual walk, your journey, and how God brought you to the place for you to see him, to look for him, and then to before you be, before he entrusted you to share him. Yeah. That's a wide question. It is, isn't it? So I'm letting you take it. Wow. Um, I like to start this way. I grew up in a family of six kids, three boys, three girls, Brady Bunch, if you remember the reference, (laughs) and uh, loving home. Um, My dad, a Marine, Irish. Uh, My mom, authentic Greek woman, moved Mm -hmm. to New York City when she was 16 years old with her parents. And she's authentic Greek, like the olive oil. And my dad met her. We (laughs) fell in love. They got married. And my dad had just come from Vietnam War Mm -hmm. and uh, had just witnessed all his buddies, you know, um, torn apart, literally torn apart. And uh, he couldn't save them. And he had survivor's guilt um, at the end of that nasty war uh it was all hands on deck so even though he was a helicopter repairman the double helo uh, choppers he had to fly down um, into enemy territory and rappel down the ropes into enemy fire to retrieve the dog tags off of his fallen brothers so that he could at least bring one piece of them home to their families and you can imagine the uh trauma yeah. The PTSD he brought home with him. And back then, a man wasn't taught how to process all that. Right. And what a man did was he would bury it, mm-hmm. you know, deep down, press it down, and um, deep into his soil, his good soil that God gave each and every one of us. And those uh, 
repressed feelings and negative emotions become what I call rocks, um, which hold us back and, and turn our good fertile soil uh, into rocky ground, uh, which limits our fruitfulness in God's kingdom. And so my dad started a family as this repressed, angry young man. And for any man listening to the show or women married to angry men, you get exactly what I'm saying. And it may not have been war that caused the anger in your husband, um, but there's anger in men across this planet right now. And I think we can almost feel it in the air. And the anger is caused by uh, either trauma and woundedness like my father had, or nowadays it's caused by complacency of men not standing up and doing what they know they ought to do out of fear wow. of losing acceptance mm -hmm. or their career on the line or being labeled as toxic if they express any negative emotions. Okay. So they're left with nothing to do with those emotions but press them down like my father did. Well, here's the problem. Mm -hmm. Eventually, it's like a uh, bottle of toothpaste mm -hmm. um, not a bottle, whatever it's called. I don't even know what it's called. Tube. A tube. A, a tube. tube of toothpaste. Mm -hmm. um, and men are taught, keep the cap on at all cost. Mm -hmm. Or you will lose everything. And we will cancel you as a culture, as a society. So men are walking around with all these negative emotions in their tube of toothpaste, their heart. And eventually, as we know, when life puts pressure on us, perpetually a perpetual pressure it's like squeezing this tube of toothpaste with ultimate force eventually the toothpaste will come out except it won't come out the top it comes out the sides the bottom all over mm -hmm. the place it creates a big mess in our lives mm -hmm. um, and this is looks like men blowing up on their wives and kids um, coming home angry and exhausted and venting and just being harsh harsh dads and then feeling terrible about it because they are good men and they then carry the guilt and shame of that, which are new rocks that get pushed into the soil. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get to coach those men. And some wow. of them come to me and say, man, Joseph, I have so much guilt and shame. I don't even apologize to my wife and kids anymore after I explode on them. Because I know I'm only going to do it again. Wow. wow. And it's that loss of control, that powerlessness mm -hmm. feeling in a man that gets him even more angry and he just gets caught in this anger cycle like my dad was in and eventually he'll start to act out in through pacifiers right emotional pacifiers like porn or cheating on a spouse or you name it right alcohol addiction sex addiction any type of addiction so i just that was a long-winded explanation of what's happening in men in general in our society, but it's also the foundation of what I was raised in. Okay. And that's my earliest version or memory or presentation of masculinity was this explosive loss of control and emotions, negative emotions and anger and rage and harshness and dad just rah, coming at us. When we were just being little kids who disobeyed mm -hmm. and right. disrespected because we're testing our boundaries and mm -hmm. trying to figure out who we are. And dad just couldn't handle it. 
He almost, mm. it was almost like he was in Vietnam in an en- enemy war zone in his own living room. Wow. And he wanted to fight, fight, fight. So that was a tough upbringing. And that shaped me as what is a man? Mm. So I didn't know what to do with my negative emotions. Eventually when my mom and dad uh, got divorced, my mom couldn't handle the explosive burst anymore. The tubes of toothpaste splattered mm. all over the walls. Um, and I get it. And, uh, unfortunately my mom went a little too far with the divorce as far as the process, the custody battles and the enemy crept in, uh, to my mom and, and to my dad, right? No, both are to blame and neither is to blame. They did the best Mm -hmm. they could with their situations. But I remember like when they were fighting over custody of the children, Back then, the kids actually picked, who do you want to spend the rest of your childhood with? Oh, dear. Mom or dad? And they both give you the puppy dog eyes. Right. And you're like, okay, that's freaking trauma right. Right, for this child. And uh, I always say it this way. My mom was the better marketer. Um, okay. She promised unlimited sweets and uh, TV <laughs> and no rules if you pick me. She was good. She was good. That was a good hook for a little boy. You yeah. know? And my dad, he promised more love, more rules, and more discipline. And you're like, no thanks. No yeah. thanks. I'm a little boy. I don't yeah. even get it. Yeah. Right? So I chose my mom. And, uh, but be, as the, that was all happening, the enemy whispered into my mom, through my mom's lips, into my ears, Joseph, your father never loved you. Oh. It was mm-hmm. all a lie. He's been pretending your whole childhood. Pick me. He's not a good father. You can't trust him. Sound familiar in the religious space, mm-hmm. in our relationship with God? This is what the enemy has been whispering in all our ears since we were little kids. You can't trust God. Eve, what are you doing? You can eat from the tree. You mean God said you can't eat from that tree? What is he holding back? He's not a good father. You can't trust him. So it's the same lies all over again. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when I heard that lie repeatedly and convincingly from the woman I loved the most, my mom, um, I either had to choose to accept it and believe it. And then I thought about, well, if dad was lying and pretending my whole childhood, well, he betrayed me. And man, those rocks just landed in my pure soil, those daddy wounds. But then I thought a little more. I was eight and a half years old. I'm not fully developed, so I didn't really know how to think of all this. And I'm like, yeah, but pretty sure dad loves me because I have all those examples and real evidence of him being there for me and loving me and sure he's harsh and angry but he truly loves me mm-hmm. well then if my mom's lying about mm-hmm. my dad what kind of sick person would ever say that to her child so then I got all those mommy wounds right there a betrayal from my own mother that's how I started my young adulthood this start. isn't a pity story, right. but this is God's story told through my life. Mm-hmm. And that's the foundation. I didn't choose. And that's the product of divorce. And sure, people have reasons for divorce, but at the end of the day, it's the enemy that's celebrating and all of hell celebrating every time a family's ripped to shreds. That's mm, true. And couples true. have their reasons, sure, but the enemy gets glorified in divorce. God does not. And then you have shrapnel left in your kids, right? And they enter their lives. So that was, now I became this angry, hurt, wounded boy. And I pressed that down into my soil because I didn't know how to express that. 
And then that I went into my young adulthood and into business and everything with all that anger. And I pointed into business and entrepreneurship. And it turns out, especially with men, like anger is jet fuel <laughs> in business. Okay. Like it's rocket fuel. And, you know, we did $2 million in 12 months when I was 19 years old with my first business and a few business partners. Really? Yeah, really. That's and then it, quite yeah. significant. Yeah, it was significant, especially back then. That was 27 years ago. And then, uh, you know, my own business partners, while I was out training the teams, raising the money and doing all that, they were the business side, the business brains. I had no business training, really. I was just good with people. And they were behind the scenes raking in the money and splitting it up with um, not really with my best interest in mind, mm -hmm. but only theirs. And eventually it got to the point where uh, they were weeding me out of the business and uh, I got betrayed by my business partners. Mm -hmm. So betrayal has been that deep wound mm -hmm. that the yeah. enemy just kept pressing throughout my entire life. And then I dated all these girls and all that suppressed anger blew up like tubes of toothpaste in those relationships. And I just couldn't trust women because at eight and a half years old, full circle, when mom whispered that to me, the enemy whispered that to me. Mommy wounds, daddy wounds. I made an unconscious decision at eight and a half years old, never to love again. Hmm. Never to let anyone wow. into that part of my heart mm -hmm. so that I never could get hurt again. No one would do that to me. So you can imagine what kind of great boyfriend I was, right? <laughs> Anytime a girl got close, man, I give her the Heisman. She starts yeah. saying, I love you. <laughs> oh, no. I'm out. Like, no, no. I'm out. Mm -hmm. Right, so I did okay in business, but my personal life was a mess, mm -hmm. a mess. So ask me anything or I could keep going. I'm just thinking there's going to be a lot of people that are listening to this that relate because yeah. it's, that rejection is a very common theme and a common story that I, I wouldn't even say common. I would say all of us have experienced it some way, somehow mm -hmm. throughout our life. Um, and I think once we buy into that lie of accepting what the devil wants to tell us, it's very hard to not filter that through everything that's said to us and to question mm -hmm. the truth behind anyone else. Because we are so quick to accept the negative and very <laughs> skeptical of the Yes, truth. of the positive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I say, oh, that's not true, I'd love you. Well, I'm going to have a much harder time believing the good and the praise that somebody says and a very easy time of accepting the negative. Yes. 100%, right? It's in our fallen nature. It's in our fallen nature, right? When sin entered in, our natural disposition shifted from heaven um, focused to hell bent, right? So think about the crowd at the crucifixion of Jesus, right? These are all people that witnessed the miracles. Many of them were followers of him, and now they betrayed him because they went with popular opinion. Mm -hmm. And all, all of a sudden, the first words out of their mouth are what? Crucify him. Mm -hmm. How many times in our relationship with people we love that have been there for us, and they've done so much good for us, and been so generous with us, and then they do that one thing that hurts us or wounds us, and the mm -hmm. first words out of our mouth are crucify them. Mm -hmm. yep. You're dead to me. Like one extreme to the other. Mm -hmm. So it's in our human nature. And the good news about that, you're, it's not your fault. It's not your yeah. fault, right? Yeah, right. It's, it's, it's in our human sinful nature. But it is your responsibility. 
That's the difference. It's not your fault. The enemy wants you to believe it's your fault. You're broken. There's something wrong with you. You're irreparable. Mm-hmm. Lies of the enemy. Yes. And God wants you to believe it's your responsibility to now bring all that garbage, junk, and mess to him, all those negative emotions, mm-hmm. hurt and betrayal. Give it to him and let him transform you from the inside out. That's what he did with me. So reading your bio. Yes. At some point, you had to become a better boyfriend in person, and because <laughs> I know, point. because I know you're married and you have two beautiful children. Um, Three, one's in well, the I, I didn't know if you were announcing that yet, so I was gonna like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, so third one on the way, um, and I know you attribute all of this to your your moment of meeting God and him meeting you right where you are. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what that looked like for you? Sure. Uh, So after the business success, um, did good for a while. Business partners betrayed me. I left. I took everything I could. uh, And then I went on a, I could say a five-year shopping spree with sin. Right, I did five years of prodigal son in a foreign land with my inheritance uh, that I had earned uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona, USA was my sin city. And I partied it all away on loose women and just bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually I hit rock bottom. I lost everything. The money ran out. The people left. The girls left. I got dumped on my birthday by one of the girlfriends. I remember that. Nice. And uh, I had no one, literally no one. And you would think that would have been the moment to come to Jesus. <laughs> yes. But I was so prideful and I was pretty much agnostic, you know, atheist at that point. I just, I was indifferent to God, which is worse than hatred, mm-hmm. right. worse than hatred. So I was the epitome of lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why Jesus spits it out because it's worse than hating him. Like mm-hmm. he's not even on your radar. So that was me. And, um, I called my sister instead of calling heaven, right? I called my sister, my oldest sister. She was in Tampa, Florida, and I literally just started weeping on the phone. And she was like a second mom to Mm. me and to all my siblings during that divorce process. And she was the oldest, um, just a a godly woman, and told I lost everything. And I was always positive, motivational Joseph, and now I'm weeping. I hadn't wept since I was a kid. And... um, you know, she said, why don't you come to Tampa, start over, stay with my husband and I, um, and rebuild your life. Hmm. But first, I have to go make sure my husband's okay with that. He's the leader of my home. And I was like, what? I need help. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you have to go, you know, call a friend? So and, um, and, and, and I had to wait for like 24 hours for that answer. And, and I felt so empty. But God was so far, and I never reached out to him. Um, so anyway, I, I moved to Tampa, um, rebuilt, and it was just years and years of resisting God, resisting God and his invitations. And I'm rebuilding my life, and this is where I'll get to your answer. I, uh, I'm like struggling with odd jobs and just doing all this crappy work where before I was at the height of my game. But when I lost everything, I took such a shot to my confidence. Mm -hmm. Like, I I had no confidence at that point. Like, it was shattered, you know? I was making millions, and now I'm barely getting by. You know, I had 50 employees under me, and now I'm under everyone else. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I'm like just raking it and scraping by and, and uh, a buddy of mine in Tampa, he said, uh, he was a Protestant buddy, a Southern Baptist buddy. And I was raised Catholic, but you know, far away from God. And uh, he said to me, he's like, Hey Joseph, why don't you come to, uh, you know, this uh, worship service on Wednesday, you know, with me. And I was like, no, I have no interest in that. Plus, it's a Wednesday night. Who goes to church on Wednesday? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. And he's like, because he knew me. And he said, there'll be a hundred pretty single girls there. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, now he's got your interest. <laughs> You're like, Tell me where mm-hmm. to show up. God will use human, a human faults and brokenness to bring him, bring us back to him. Mm-hmm. And God used that sinful, um, that sinful bend towards girls and sex and everything um, to bring me, to hook me <laughs> back to him. And uh, so I showed up and there was this, uh, they were doing a witness talk. I had never experienced a witness talk growing up as a Catholic. I'm like, what the heck is this? First off, I walk into the place. The the lights are out. There's a worship band going at it. Hands are in the air. Colored lights strobe in the, the, the walls. And I'm just like, what the F? <laughs> You've walked into what a cult. <laughs> You're like, this is nothing yeah, I've like ever seen. or a rock concert. I can't distinguish. And uh, they finish up praising God and everything. And then they bring this man up to give his witness talk. And he starts talking about his business and how he, you know, had a lot of success in business, but it was all for his self glory. And then he lost everything, bottomed out. And I was like, Ooh, that sounds familiar. And then, uh, how he started back over, except this time he got saved, gave his life to Jesus. And then, um, the rest of his life, was about God's glory. And now he's running this company that does over a billion dollars, billion with a B. And I was like, what? Now you got my attention. And he talks about this thing called market ministry, a marketplace ministry. And I'd never heard that concept, but it was intriguing. And it's about using your business as a ministry in the marketplace for God's kingdom. And I was like, what? This is so far. And mm-hmm. I've never heard of this, but I love business. I like making money. Right. And, and this guy is just hitting all my secular buttons. So the Holy Spirit prompted me, go speak with him afterwards, go speak with him after. And I was like, I don't want to speak with him, but I'll speak with him. So I go up and I speak with him and I said, I just resonated with what you were saying. He goes, Hey, I'm starting a group for young Christian men, um, called, uh, experiencing God. Why don't you come and, uh, nice. join this group? It will wow. be at my office. And I was like, well, this is my chance to hang out with a billionaire. Okay. And I said, <laughs> yes. And that was my first step back towards God, though. I was doing it for totally selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. And now I'm hanging out with all these young guys that are God focused and business. And, and it was just completely new. And God started to bring me one small step closer. Mm -hmm. And I just kept saying yes to those small steps and, and stop saying no. And, and that was the one thing I was doing right, I guess, back then. And then God led me to a leadership, life work leadership and other, you know, very Protestant, um, God centered business and about with more elite players. And then I'm in there and, and there's another speaker and he's talking about how you can actually hear God whisper and learn Mm -hmm. to shut off your 
noisy brain and the world and the chaos and actually hear God speaking. Oh, by the way, God does still speak to his people. That's not just an Old Testament thing. Right. And I was like, what? They don't <laughs> teach us in Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've never heard this before. What are you talking about? This is right. Skeptical brain. And he just kept going. But it was so convicting and compelling. And I'm like, and then I heard that small voice again, go speak with him after. So I go and speak with him. And I said, Hey, I really was intrigued by what you're saying, blah, blah, blah. And, um, I won't go into all the details, but I recently had come into some money, uh, by, uh, saying a very dangerous prayer to God. And, um, cause God was slowly pulling me in and closer. And, uh, so I came into some money and I asked this guy, I was like, well, if this is for real and I actually could learn how to hear God speak, I want to hear straight from him, but I don't want to try to figure this out on my own and mess it up. Cause I probably will. Cause I haven't been trained on this. So how much to hire you? Huh. And he's like, well, I, I don't do private coaching. Um, here's my book. It's a do it yourself, you know, experience or whatever. I was like, I appreciate that, but I only want to learn from the best. How much to hire you? You wrote the book. How much for you? And eventually I wore him down enough because I was just persistent. And he's like, okay. I uh, said this much. I was like, deal. So I showed up at his house every week. It's a very successful entrepreneur in a multi-million dollar home uh, here in Tampa. And I, I would just drive to his house and he would teach me how to quiet my mind. And I would then go and sit with God every morning and practice and practice. Learn to listen. And eventually God started to speak. Wow. And it blew my freaking mind. And that evidence of the creator of the entire universe speaking to me in a relatable, fatherly way. Mm -hmm. Not just ruler and king and I'm just a servant and peasant nobody. That's more the Muslim's tradition. But Christian relationship, authentic relationship with Jesus, I... <laughs> so far and so far and, and Catholicism is incredible and I love it and there's so much beauty and richness mm. and depth of truth in God's you know church but man there's so much room for improvement in teaching relationship with God versus rules and regulations and mm -hmm. all this other stuff mm -hmm. which are good and useful but not a replacement right right not a replacement not an alternative to so I realized I had missed out on all this and all of a sudden I'm learning about in the Protestant space and I was like, wow, there's so much beauty and goodness the Protestants have to offer. Why aren't the Catholics getting this? And then the Catholics have so much beauty and goodness. Why aren't the Protestant getting this? And I was just like, what the F? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't say that. It's a very Christian show. Uh, well, thanks for using the... Let yeah, at least you're not just straight up dropping the F-bomb. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. okay. It's no, okay. I, I don't. I yeah. Don't. <laughs> I use fun language. So, so this is where I met God, and I experienced God in a real and tangible way, and he started speaking to me. And, and it took 12 days of showing up every day and sitting for 60 minutes of silence, one hour in my day, in my morning, blocked out, just sitting with God. So many people say, God... He doesn't answer my prayers. Here's why. And I was guilty of it my whole life. You're not giving him the time. Yeah. You're giving everything else in your life the time. You're tithing your time to all the wrong things and all the wrong people 
rather than the king of kings. This is why you're not getting answered prayers. God wants real relationship. I define relationship simply as this, time spent with another. Mm. If you're not spending time with another, you're not actually in relationship with them. You're just mm -hmm. pretending hmm. and throwing a label on it. How many Christians do that with God? Mm. I'll oh, say mess. Yeah, I pray. Mm -hmm. yeah. How much do you pray? Five minutes, 10 minutes a day? That's it? Please go. You had a question. Well, I'm just thinking about here in America. It doesn't cost us much to be a Christian. It doesn't cost us mm. our comfort. It, I mean, right. it's so easy. And in the place that you were, when you went to this man and said, you know, let me hire you. And basically... He wasn't giving you anything but discipleship and mentorship, which is the model that Jesus gave for free for his disciples and the one that he offers to all of us. But it, in that moment, it needed to cost you something to get your attention. That's 100% correct. I would not place value on it if I didn't pay for it. Yes. Yes. And so God met you where you were at and you realized what was costing you was something that was valuable and precious. And I would think that for a lot of Christians, because it is free and it's so full of grace, the value is not recognized. Right. It's, you know, it's like, here's a free cup of, you know, Kool-Aid or, you know, whatever it is. We just, we don't price that value on it. If it cost us something like it did a lot of people on the other side of the world, who literally, their lives are on the line for being able to read the Bible or mm -hmm. to say your prayer we would see it very differently. And that day will come. Revelation tells us that, that that day will come. But for us right now, I think it's so easy for us to not recognize that. And what a gift that God gave you mm -hmm. that day to say, you know, whatever avenue I'm going to use, I'm going to meet you where you're at. And if your value is money and your value is connection, then God used that mm -hmm. to bring that to you. And that's well said. I mean, experiencing God, that's an incredible study. And it yes. changed my life. Yes. And you've done oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's it is amazing. Blackaby. Go Blackaby. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, plug for him that's for sure. That's from a Catholic, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, no, you will not. Not very often. But just to be able to um, understand that relationship that he is seeking us in such a powerful way, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. We've just got it's it. It's the so shift. Easy. It's the shift mm -hmm. for everything. And now the work God has me doing is teaching uh, elite businessmen, guys doing seven to nine figures, killing it, crushing it in their business, going home miserable, angry, stressed out men, good men, but tubes of toothpaste mm -hmm. exploding all over their lives and families. And uh, they don't know what to do with all that. So I teach them the way I was taught, mm -hmm. how to give it all to God, mm -hmm. all the negative emotions. You don't have to go to therapy. You don't have to go to counseling. Those are temporary band-aids. Though they're good and they help a little, they really get you to talk about your problems, mm -hmm. talk about the rocks, the head trash, but not actually lean in and do anything about it. So I teach men how to take actions in those areas and the actual spiritual tactics and tools of surrendering to God and hearing him and then giving him all the crap in your life where you feel loss of control. Mm. Yeah, and it's, that's hard. Yeah, sure, it's hard. <laughs> and and that, thank you for using that word and you weren't prompted. I just wrote my new book called 40 Hard. There you go. <laughs> 
40 hard. Right? A practical guide to what? Practical guide to winning the war in your head. Oh, nice. Hey, I was about to ask you, can you give us some practical practical examples of that? And there you go. So tell us about it. And that's the battle. The battle is within, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus reminds us that the kingdom of heaven is within us. And it's that battle between the flesh and the spirit, right? Another way to say it in easier terms of anatomy, it's the mind versus the heart. Mm -hmm. Where does Jesus say he lives? In the heart of man or the head of man? Mm. In the heart. Heart. In the heart. We know this, right? Mm -hmm. That's where the throne room is. The king of kings sits on the throne of our hearts. The problem is most of us, especially me, I sat on the throne in my heart. It was all about self-glory and self-worship. There was no room for the king. I never invited him in. But when I finally learned to do that and he took over the throne, well, then there's a battle going on in my head. And most men, wives, come on, tell me if I'm wrong here. Your husband lives in his head 24-7. True or true? Probably. Probably. Come on. on. Mm -hmm. Right? I would say yes. I mean, they may not always... I think I live with a little bit of an anomaly, like he talks a lot, and I don't think that's typical for a lot of men, but a lot of men So he's do. a good communicator? He's a great communicator. Yeah. That's, not, that's not typical. It's not typical for men, because when you say they live in their head, like, I think a lot of women would be like, my husband doesn't think about anything. What are you talking about? But that's not true. It really is. They hold it all up here. Yes. And they mm-hmm. they don't express it. So, yeah. yes, I That's would right. agree. Yeah. yeah. I'm married to an engineer. Everything <laughs> there is 100% 24-7 planning going yeah. on that head. <laughs> and every, every variation, variation that could happen is already That's being right. played out as well. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. right. So here's the simple thing, right? I teach men this. Your mind is a liar. Mm-hmm. Your heart speaks the truth. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the truth, the king of kings, resides in your heart, not your head. Your mind is constantly running scenarios, fear scenarios, profit scenarios, um, you know, a SWOT analysis, right? Just engineer. Like, there's just all this mental chaos happening. And this goes for ladies, too, okay? Because I know oh, my wife. You think we're planners? What? More than I do. <laughs> We're, 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 we're planning all the time. You're planning all the time, right? <laughs> I'm multitasking. That means you're you're overthinking. Yes. That's what that means. Is that what that means? That's what it means. Huh. Right? Okay, I have to and, think and, about and that yes, one. Yes, it works and sometimes, and it's a great gift and great quality, but it also can hold us back in our relationship with God. Yeah. Because we're showing up to God in silence with the wrong tool. We're showing up with our brain and our thinking, and it's on and it's running. So we're blocking the quiet whisper mm. because of the mental chatter. Wow. We're blocking the gentle whisper because of the mental chatter. That's powerful. That'll, that'll preach. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it happens to every human. Absolutely. We're either wow. listening to the, world, the voices of the world around us or we're listening to the enemy's voice. That speaks into those us. Or we're listening to our own voice with our own selfish desires and stuff like that. Well, when you have all those voices that you're listening to, it's really difficult, if not impossible, 
to hear the quietest voice of all. Because those are all loud voices. Yeah. But God shows up in the quiet whisper, he says. He does. Which means you must intentionally get quiet if you want to hear from him. Which means you got to block out the time mm -hmm. for silence. I didn't know this. I was taught this. And then I practiced it. And then I mastered it. And now I and all my clients get to sit with the creator of the universe day in and day out. And literally back and forth conversations. We write out our questions that we want to ask him about the day. What are our marching orders? Or... God, what do you want me to do with that person that's irritating me at the office? Or God, what is my next step with this business deal? Or God, I'm so angry at my wife right now. I feel so hurt. I feel betrayed. I surrender all of those negative emotions to you mm -hmm. rather than lashing out at her or my kids. And we teach them how to do this and then how to listen more than they talk. And then write what they're sensing God say back to them. Because they're actually sitting there with expect, the expectancy of a child sitting with his dad. Mm. Expecting dad to answer when they lay all their burdens upon him. Rather than carrying the burdens themselves, which we all do, because we're a bunch of little control freaks, <laughs> are we not? We are. So how do you teach them, as you teach them to be quiet and to listen, how yes. do you teach them to really learn the Word of God so that they know how to decipher between what the quietness of the world might try to impose versus the promises that God has already given us in the Scriptures? Yeah. So I like to say it's a, it's a simple, easy, short process because we all want the trick, the hack, the tactic, even mm -hmm. in our prayer life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not how the spiritual realm works, unfortunately. It's how we want it to work, but it's not. So my book and my process is called 40 Hard for a reason because it's hard. It's hard. You actually have to go against your physical desires, your fleshy uh, wants, and surrender those to God, right? And then sit with him for 40 days, an hour a day, 60 minutes a day, every morning, block out the time in your calendar. And immediately, you're listening to this, and you're like, Joseph, I mean, I liked you up until now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking my alarm clock. I, I don't know about this now. Exactly. A, an right. hour? An hour. An hour. Before in coffee garden, or after coffee? In the Garden of Gethsemane, <laughs> before Jesus was betrayed by Judas with the kiss, mm -hmm. the disciples fell asleep, right? The apostles as Jesus was praying yeah not knowing what he was about to walk into mm -hmm. and what he was about to open up for all of us right our salvation and he came back to them and he said could you not stay awake with me for one hour hmm. yeah. yep. I don't know why he said that why was he so specific why one hour why not two why not 42 minutes why not 10 Joseph do you understand how busy I am do you know how important I am in my business, in my life? Do you know what I have to do on a daily basis as a mother with all these children and all these needs and all these poopy diapers everywhere? You can't honestly expect me to block out 60 minutes every morning in my calendar, can you? No, I don't. 
but God certainly does. Wow. He gave you everything, the life you're living, the things you're complaining about are gifts from God. God said, thank him in all circumstances. Did he not? He did. That means the good ones and the bad ones and the frustrating ones and the ones that look like people that really annoy you. Thank him in all circumstances. It's easy for us to tithe our money because it's tangible. We see it. We know how much we have. But to tithe our time, oof, it's one of the most difficult things we do as people. And we don't even think to do it. That's the first problem. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, for sure. I don't think I've heard it put that way mm. as to tithe your time. It's very convicting. Well, think about it. What you said, right? Unless it actually costs you something, mm -hmm. you don't place a value on it. Well, mm -hmm. what's the one thing in this life you do not get back? Your time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Your time is the only thing in this life that has eternal cost. Yeah. yeah. Eternal. Everything else dies with your body. Yeah, I like the way you said that. Mm -hmm. Did you? Think about that. So that's the ultimate gift to God. Absolutely. Will you not lay down your life and follow me? Like, that's what he's asking. Take up your cross daily. How often should I pray, Joseph? Well, Jesus says take up your cross daily. Okay. Like, it's a cross to spend time with God because you're taking that time from something else that you also value. But how many times do we show up as Christians and we say, no, I love God above all else, all people, even my own kids. Really? How much time do you give God versus your kids? There's your metric. There's your evidence. It's undeniable. It's black and white. There's your priorities, period. Words are nice. Hmm. Actions are real. They're yeah. revealing. They are. How much do you love your spouse? Well, I don't know. How much time do you spend with them? It's all about hmm. time. Hmm. I love and that. being present in the time, hmm. right? Absolutely. There you go. You, you can't you just go. check the Be box. And right. Oh, no, I sat with God for an hour. But meanwhile, you're on your phone. You're distracted. You're doing all your stuff. Hmm. You know, even right, reading your Bible, and this is, this is going to be controversial to some Christians out there. Reading your Bible, which is God's word, is incredible. God wants it. Yes, do it. Are you kidding me? Men ask me, Joseph, should I read my Bible during my 60 minutes with God? And I say, not in the beginning. Not when you're learning to get silent. Because even your Bible and the reading could engage your brain and the mental gymnastics that it goes through of analyzing and right the analytical critical judgmental brain is engaged your frontal lobe and that's what god can't get through hmm. to access your heart so you literally have to give it permission your brain permission to shut off for an hour that you're safe you're okay you're in god's hands now there's nothing for your brain to figure out there's nothing for your brain to solve everything else can wait you're literally sitting with your heavenly father now in his loving care, mm. listening to what he wants to tell you about you, about your life, about his plans for you, about what he wants you to do next. Mm. That's, I like the way you put that. that. It's interesting. With all the noise. Yeah. Can I mean, 
many years I have started out and when I'm going to read the Bible this year and I'd pull out a Bible plan and there were, you know, certain verses you're supposed to read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of Psalms, a little bit of New Testament yes. every day. And it became such a, a checkbox thing for me yes. that I would read it. There was no contemplation. There was no life changing moment. But by golly, I wanted that purple check mark before I went to bed that night. Yeah. You know, so it was like, like I was reading the recipe for the horrible meal that I just cooked. That's about as much as I was reading the Bible for, for that night. And so that did become a, a I can relate to what you're saying a little bit and the fact that I had to, I can still do a reading plan, but I had to find one that does not have days and check boxes aside Mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter how long it takes me to get through the word of God. It's about the time and the way that I sit quietly and listen to what God Mm -hmm. has to say to me as I'm going through the word because I, I am that checkbox person. Mm-hmm. I can read yeah. it, Tisha, close it off. I did it. Good job. Mm-hmm. Tisha, thank you for saying that. That was so vulnerable of you. Imagine, mm-hmm. ladies, as you're listening to the show right now, thank you for still listening, even with this guy with a weird New York <laughs> accent talking. You compliment our Southern accent very well. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Excellent. Um, imagine, ladies, your husband coming home from work every day, and you just been waiting because you're so in love with this man still despite all his flaws and character defects he's the father of those beautiful little humans he gave you and you just want to spend time with him imagine he shows up with a pen and paper sits down next to you and he goes okay honey you got five minutes Mm. go or imagine even worse You're sitting there waiting to talk with him and share your heart and what you're dealing with or going through or the joy that you experience with the kids or your dreams and your inner desires or how much you love him and you just want to affirm him. And he picks up a book that's written about you (laughs) and he just starts reading in front of you about you, but he won't listen to you Mm -hmm. imagine how that might feel and then when he's finished five minutes ding ten minutes if he's a good man he literally you see that little box on his piece of paper he checks it Mm -hmm. and then walks away from you and you never even got to say a word to him Imagine how that might feel day in and day out. When the one you love most, desire most, pursue relationship with most, your husband, is indifferent to your presence. Is this not how we show up with God? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you were saying all that, I I mean, I could just think, his heart would be so broken because mm-hmm. he has so much to offer us and the depth of relationship that he wants to take us to and that we're not even willing to put our toe in the water. We're just going to stand on the side. You know, we're good because it got us out there and, and we're, we're going to, we're complacent. Mm-hmm. We settle. Complacent. Yeah. Because it's scary. It's scary mm-hmm. because we read the stories of the Bible and how God literally wrecked those people's self-centered lives. Wrecked them. 
turned them on their heads and called them into greatness. Mm-hmm. They had to give up stuff. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They had to give up comfort. And many of us, as you said, Tisha, very well, we love our comfort. Yeah. And that's what keeps us complacent. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. And God wants us uncomfortably in love and in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. I've been studying um, with a teacher who is a biblical culturalist. She's a professor. Um, it's, it has really transformed the way that I have been my spiritual walk and I've been reading the Bible as well. But she compares the Middle Eastern lens with the Western lens and how we relate to God, how we read the Bible and discern it. And there's one thing that stood out to me the most is that when in Jesus day, the culture Middle Eastern lens was they would read the scriptures and say, what does this teach me about God? Now the Western lens is that we will read the scriptures and say, what does this teach me about me? Mm. Huge difference. Huge. And it, and it relates back to what you're saying is that when you're quiet and you can actually hear the Holy Spirit talk and you can listen to him, your goal and your posture to be fed as this lady um, says that they, they posture themselves to be fed from the word of God, to be heard so that they know more about who he is. We're sitting here on our throne going, God, you got five minutes because I'll tell you all about myself. <laughs> Let me tell you what my dreams are. Let me yeah. tell you what my plan is. And I'd love for you to be a part of it if you're willing. And we submit our work orders to him. Mm-hmm. And that's <laughs> then that's when people walk away from Christianity because mm-hmm. they're like, that's all it is. I don't, I don't know God. I haven't heard from him. Right. Well, no, you haven't shut up long enough to hear him. Well, you said that in very nice, hospitable Southern terms. <laughs> it's so anyway, convicting. It, it really is. It really is. Anyway, I, well, you had some questions you wanted to ask Joseph, too, because we've, we've been preaching. Today. None of my questions are relevant <laughs> at this point. I don't even know. What, I really would like to maybe have you back sometime to talk about, like, because I, I really think it's a much longer conversation <laughs> of what, you know, with your podcast, Broken Catholic, what does that look like coming, you know, I, I'm assuming, and I, I'm sorry for not even knowing this, I'm assuming you still practice Catholicism, correct? Or, or I you, do. Yes. But you're Spiritual kind of... with Protestant. Yes, you're kind of now like... I with all my Catholic brothers. Yes. So I... That is a conversation that I would really like to have maybe later if that's okay is that okay i mean could we have you back to possibly talk about that like what it looks like for catholics in america today listen i practice catholicism with uh, a focus on relationship with god Mm -hmm. okay and that almost can be foreign in many churches nowadays yes Uh, and it's just a blind spot it really is um Sure, there's wolves in the Catholic Church, in the Protestant Church, you know, in sheep's clothing, false prophets and all that. Wherever there's humans and a fallen nature, there will be those false Mm -hmm. prophets. And there will be just um, spiritual cataracts to seeing uh, God's truth, for sure. But I would say the majority of the people in the seats and in the pews at Catholic churches and Protestant churches across the board are just unaware unaware of what is actually possible mm-hmm. in pursuing relationship with God. 
most people, most Christians do not believe that God still speaks to his people. Hmm. Not in a personal way. Right. Not in a God to me way. Now they believe God speaks to his people through the, the, the word, right? God's word in the Bible. And that's where they go to. But if they actually knew that God wants to speak to you with the Bible on the desk and just speak with you, about you, about your life, your struggles, the details in your life. Yes, the Bible is there. It's a compliment. It's fantastic. It's irreplaceable. It's God's truth. It's the love story of God and humanity throughout all of history. But we don't even know that God wants to have that intimate love story with you. We don't believe it. Because in order to engage in that divine intimacy with God, with our maker, there's a cost, there's a price, and we're scared. We're so scared what that might look like. The fear of the unknown. Well, and I think with both Catholics and Protestants, it's breaking out of that tradition that you've been raised as. You know, like... I personally, and I don't know a lot of people who are raised to just sit and listen. Like that's, we're a very busy culture. We're not taught that. And which is so convicting because I'm like, I've never taught my child how to just sit. Like I've taught her to do Bible studies. I've taught her to read scripture. Have I taught her just to sit and listen for God? No. Be like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Right. Why are you sitting there quietly? Right. Like, Yes, uh -huh. like, and so I think it's just breaking out of what the Christian church looks like traditionally and trying to get, does that make sense a little bit? It makes sense. Andrew, can I add to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think the temptation is to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and we've seen it across the board on both sides of the aisle, and that is to lose all the traditions, uh, yes. the sacred traditions of you know, the church fathers, mm -hmm. uh, to say they're not relevant anymore, right? This is the modern way. This is the new way of faith and relationship with God. And I think that is error. I think that is uh, so dangerous. And right. the enemy loves that, loves that. Think about that. Throw out all the genealogy, the spiritual genealogy of God and his people. Just throw it out. Mm -hmm. Well, if you do, you got to throw out all the biblical promises of God to his right. people. Well, that's a problem. Because yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. your, your promises are attached to it. Mm -hmm. to the, your promises are attached to the promises of Abraham. Think about that. Right. There's an unbroken lineage, lineage of God's promises from Abraham to you. Like, they, like that's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. So that's right. the temptation. And I would mm -hmm. say rather than lose all the traditions in the Catholic space and lose all the traditions and re rules and religiosity in the Protestant mm -hmm. space or whatever, no. Don't lose them, but complement them. Mm -hmm. Stop using them as replacements for the relationship. Now just add the relationship. Yes. There you go. Yes. To all the beauty and the traditions that have been passed yep. down. People died, died to pass that down to you. Yep. Yes. They gave their life. They were martyred. They freely chose death so that you can have faith. Just like Jesus did. You're going to throw that out because it's not in the right shape or color? Right. No. Right. So you embrace all that. If God 
planted you in a Catholic church. Hey, he put you there as a kid. All right, become the best Catholic you can be. But man, pursue relationship with him mm -hmm. and use the traditions and the rules as accessories or complements to pursuing that relationship. Because God has a reason for that. That's why he passed them down for 2,000 plus years. Yes. It's That's putting his will over That's yours, a great way to put right? it. And if you got planted you in the Protestant space, this is what I said to my wife, because I married a Southern Baptist. I'm an adventurous. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Does she know how to make a good casserole? Because that's what counts. Oh, she's a fantastic cook. Okay, right? there you go. <laughs> right? There you go. Right? And I married her, and she said, are you going to want me to convert to Catholicism? Because I'm, I'm not going to. And I was like, no, I don't. That's between you and God. I said, here's what I will ask of you. Pursue God's truth at all costs and don't stop. Wherever he leads you, you pursue. Whether you wow. agree with it or disagree with it, you pursue and yes. follow him. That's all I ask of you. And if you end up becoming a better Baptist, then remain a better Baptist for the rest of your mm -hmm. life. And that's fantastic. And we'll make it work. But if he leads you to the Catholic Church, then you pursue him there and become a great Catholic. See, it's about God leading you, not yes. you leading you, and then painting God's signature on it. <laughs> That's, there you go. Yeah. Well said. You're preaching it today. And it's, Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so listen, I'm a broken okay. Catholic and former atheist myself, right? And on my show, I try to bring uh, unity to the Catholic slash Protestant space. Love it. Um, I believe for 500 years we've been fighting each other. Um, over high-level theology mm -hmm. that matters. But if we're being honest about it, does it really matter in uh, the little details of our day-to-day -day lives? Um, yet the enemy has us fighting each other mm -hmm. rather than fighting him, mm -hmm. making each other the enemy rather than he is the enemy. And that's where his power uh, grows, when he is the invisible enemy. It's really difficult to invite it, fight an mm -hmm. invisible enemy. Mm -hmm. And the enemy, if you look at the world right now, it's all about blame and complain, right? And we're fighting each other, not the enemy that's pulling the puppet strings. So on my show, Broken Catholic, I choose to elevate the conversation and stay away from the high-level theology and really just get into the commonality of what makes us all human, which is the struggles, we all deal with the same struggles, the same human brokenness, mm -hmm. right? And we all need a savior named Jesus, right? So I stay in the stories. I love it. Yeah. The God stories mm -hmm. in our life. And that's how I'm able to bridge that gap and bring on Catholics and Protestants. And we find healing and unity mm -hmm. in that. And together we grow stronger. There are 120 million Protestants and Catholics in the United States alone. Wow. Imagine. If we actually all pointed in the same direction and fought the one common enemy, the yep. devil, and his evildoers, imagine the economic power and influence that we already have. We would shift laws in a heartbeat and make this country one nation under God again. But the enemy has us tricked, yes. fighting yes. each other. Yes. Divided we fall, united we stand. Yes. So that's my deeper why. Yeah. So, so when are you running for president? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am just a little man following a big God. That's how you hear you. And wherever yeah. he says to go, I go, and I do it with boldness and fearlessness. Right? It's courage. Mm -hmm. The fear is present for sure, mm -hmm. but you do it anyway. Yeah. 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 We we get we get that as we sit here talking with you. <laughs> we have had to step out 
of our comfort zones lately. That's shattering the boundaries of comfort zones right now. Yes. But, yeah, so I just leave your audience with that one thing. Like, do nothing. Mm-hmm. Do nothing that I said today other than tithe your time to God mm. more than you have. Yeah. If you want small incremental progress in your prayer life, then give God small incremental additions in your calendar. If you want powerful, life-changing mission and assignment and transformation and impacting God's kingdom in ways you haven't imagined, then give an hour. Mm-hmm. Every day, 60 minutes in silence. If you want the process that teaches you step-by-step step how to do it, it's called 40 hard. 40 hard. And look at this. You ready, ladies? I tried to make the 40 hard a little easier by giving a you journal. the journal. Oh, nice. I love it. I love it. Journal and nice. devotional, right? Yes. So it's a journal for the Catholics. It's a devotional I love it. for the Protestants. <laughs> you know? Right? We got to do it. And literally, it is day by day questions and answers that you bring to God in silence. Oh, I love that. And I give you the questions to ask him and then how to shut up and wait for him to answer. And then write it, what you sense him saying. And every day, see the progress. And every day, God Uh gives you a little more about your identity. Three things he reveals to you in 40 days. Your identity, your purpose, and your assignments. For all the dudes out there, we call it your IPA. right? Your IPA. All right. Your IPA. Identity, your purpose, and your assignments. We're good with that. And those are things that we hear in the women's ministry world all the time. What's my purpose? And it shifts from being a mom to what do I do now? Who am I? What? And it's like if you put those in Jesus, they're never changing and always growing all at the same mm-hmm. time. And they're not based on the winds of the world. And that is just perfect. So tell our listeners, yes. how do they get their book? Where do they find it? Well, let me ask you this. When does this show air? A few days, a few weeks, a few months? Uh, in two weeks. Two weeks. In two weeks. All right. So I'm in process. I'm, those are literally proofs I'm showing you. So the book's okay. not actually out yet. Okay. So I'm doing the final editions. So uh, the website will be 40hard.com. That's the number 40. And then hard.com. Uh, in the meantime, you could probably find out some stuff at uh, josephwarren.net or blowuprocks.com, which is my men's elite coaching. All right. For your husband's out there. Great. If he's got rocks in his heads. <laughs> he's got rocks in his heads and they're rattling around and his behavior won't shift. And uh, he's doing seven, eight, nine figures. Put him in touch with me at blowuprocks.com. And man, we will turn that man around and God will do the work. Nice. He won't. But you'll get the benefit, woman. wife mother you'll get the benefit and your man will show up completely transformed like all my clients do um so you're gonna have to search for the book a little bit um meaning like online until it's like published and everything like that but it'll be out soon enough josephwarren.com josephwarren.net i could not get the dot com because it's the, the war hero, General Joseph Warren, who I think is a distant relative, and he still owns the dot com. Okay. He wouldn't he was share. Alive today, I would own it. All right. There Let's you go. Well, and then Broken Catholic for our listeners, please look up um, the Broken, Broken Catholic on your favorite yeah. podcast platform, mm-hmm. um, and you'll be blessed to hear more of Joseph's wisdom, his interviews with some really amazing stories along the way. So, um, 
thank you. Thank you for your time, for this sharing with us your heart and your journey. And I think hopefully our listeners today will heard a little bit about the man behind the microphone as he interviews other people. And I hope they got to know you a little bit more today, too. Thank you. You know, you've heard the man behind the myth. I'm the man behind the accusations. <laughs> I get falsely accused. Right? So, Tisha and Andra, thank you for your time. Thank you for a wonderful show and for creating this space for us to glorify God here today. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. So for all our listeners, whatever your story is, whatever your journey is, own it, share it, and let God use it. Y'all have a blessed day. Bye, guys.